to Why Talk Climate, an expert podcast series on mobilizing youth for climate action, produced and directed by BCCIC Climate Change. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Why Talk Climate podcast. Today, we are talking to Michelle and Jeremy for episode three. Michelle and Jeremy are environmental organizers, change makers, and siblings from Kisumu, Kenya. They are the co-founders of Osiepe Sango, or Friends of Lake Victoria, which aims to restore the Lake Victoria ecosystem through a variety of projects, including their self-created Ziwasafi citizen science app, which has mobilized their community to collect data on plastic pollution. It's fantastic to me that you guys were able to leverage technology and, and the current wave of innovation to solve a lot of our environmental issues. So this is such an, an incredible project in my eyes, and I'm so inspired by you just by giving a background of, of what you do and what you've accomplished so far. Michelle is a National Geographic Young Explorer and together she and her brother champion multifaceted approaches to restoring the environment and uplifting youth voices. Welcome to the podcast Michelle and Jeremy. Thank you, we're so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I mean, I'm again, like I said, before even meeting you, I was, I was inspired by your work. And actually, we have an article and a video about your work, about your initiative that we're going to add to the description of the podcast in case anyone wants to take a further look at Friends of Lake Victoria and to, to understand what you do and your team and your strategy. I highly recommend watching that and reading that article alongside this podcast. But let's get started by asking you about your initiative. What is Osiepe Sango? What is Friends of Lake Victoria? And can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and the mission and the vision and kind of the, the drive or the passion that drove you to creating the solution uh, in your community? Yeah, definitely. So Osiepe Sango just basically means Friends of Lake Victoria in Doluo. Doluo is a language spoken around Kisumu, um, this region next to the lake. And its official organization name is Osiepe Sango Rescue Team. And basically our vision is to restore Lake Victoria to its pristine condition. And our mission is to eradicate plastic pollution. So we are taking on the, the, the challenge of the mission through this step-by-step -step process where we've started by creating awareness on the problem because you can't solve a problem when people don't understand that there's a problem in the first place. So we are doing that through our Bring Back Lake Victoria campaign. And then the next step, of course, is to collect data on the problem so that we can see it and understand what's causing it, where it's coming from, and who it's affecting. And we're doing that through our app, Ziwasafi. Its major goal is to collect data to shine a light on the true impacts of plastic pollution in the lake basin. And then we have the Nam Lolwe Youth Summit, which is our third vehicle. And this vehicle covers the objective of bringing stakeholders together to design and implement solutions to plastic pollution. So Nalis does this through the way it brings all different types of people together that are interested in the lake to one space to learn about the problem and then design solutions through, together through projects that are going to be implemented in communities. So that's a bit about Osiepe Sango. And we're really excited about what we've been able to achieve so far. We started out in 2020 and since 2020, it's been basically a really cool learning process. So so, so far, we've managed to more than 30 government organizations just trying to raise awareness about the problem and talk to them and partner with them. We've managed 
more than 20 cleanup and sensitization events around Kisumu and we've hosted a summit and of course we are building an app so we're really excited to see what comes next. This is so inspiring and I think the thing that I love most about your initiative is is not the technology aspect just that but also the the fact that you uh, use that to empower stakeholders in your community to actually make the change themselves and to help in the data collection process and to help in the recycling process and the cleanup process. I really love that. It seems that the story of Friends of Lake Victoria seems to be about a change from feeling powerless to taking action, looking at a problem and saying, yes, we don't have enough data, but what can we do about it? So was there a gap between the moment you noticed the problem of plastic pollution in Lake Victoria and the moment you took action? Like, how did you bridge that gap? And how did you go from feeling like this is such an overwhelming problem to taking action and really finding solutions, so many that you've just described? Okay, so first of all, the moment we realized that there was a problem was when we attended the Ocean Heroes Boot Camp because the first time we encountered plastic pollution was in 2018 where we had our cousins over for Christmas. So we ran down to the lake, then all of a sudden we just came up to a site that none of us have ever managed to forget. The lake was covered in plastic, the water was green. You couldn't take 10 steps on the beach without feeling the arc of the over plastic bottle crunching. Fast forward to 2020, during Corona, since all schools were closed and we were supposed to stay at home, we requested our mom if we could get some time to explore rather than uh, going along with the with the school curriculum for some time because we knew this was going to be the first chance we'd get and it was going to be the biggest break we'd ever get in history so we eventually stumbled upon ocean heroes and they basically broke it down and it was so it was more of peer-to-peer -peer learning the adults only came in when it was absolutely necessary so we got to see change makers from all over the world and when we saw this we realized that we could actually make change and that we didn't have to wait there wasn't a certain age limit you didn't have to wait on your government you didn't have to wait on anyone you whatever age you are could create change so after that is when we started the whole process of cleanups visiting government organizations because our first idea was to build a recycling center because we thought the original problem was there were no recycling centers in Kisumu so and we had a really bad plastic management system so I thought if we could find a way to recycle this plastic it would keep it out of the lake but as we were going through that we realized two things First of all, we realized there was no data on plastic pollution because first of all, to put up a cent, you'd need to know the scope of the problem and how much plastic it would need to be taking in. And then another thing we realized is that people are totally disconnected from the league. So we decided to break up our campaign into phases. The first phase is getting people sensitized and that's what we are doing through Nalis and at least there's a conversation that Nalis has managed to get started so many more people know about plastic pollution. Before July 2020 in that era, if you asked anyone about plastic pollution, they were totally clueless. They, they couldn't relate to microplastics and how plastic was hurting them and how plastic was killing their animals and such. But now if you go and ask any random person on the streets of Kisumu, they are going to be able to explain it to you. Then now we've moved on to the second phase where we are trying to collect data so we can understand the scope of the problem and create solutions based on the data we have. And we're doing this through Ziwasafi.
Yeah, I really like that your app and your initiative bridges a data collection with action. Sometimes people tend to stop at data collection, be like, this is what we do. And some people go for action and, you know, they go to someone else to collect the data. But you have managed to actually bridge the two and, and create like a, a one-stop shop for data and education and action and bridging partnerships, centers like recycling centers, but also with different stakeholders in the community and I think that's really hard to do and it's it's fantastic that this has been sewn into your model. I really love that and thank you for sharing that. So Friends of Lake Victoria, as, as you've said, started in 2020 and has come a long way since then. Did you face any unexpected challenges along this journey that new environmental organizers could learn from? We faced quite a few challenges. Some will say were positive, some will say were negative. Since we started in 2020, I think Jeremy described it pretty well, but like the first issue that we came into was, so we had plastic pollution and we said we're going to eradicate plastic pollution and our first solution was to build a recycling center. But when we got to the ground, you know, we realized even before we go into waste management, the first issue is the fact that people are not aware and we don't have much data on this problem, you know, because we visited this government institution by the name of the Kenya Industrial Research and Development Institute and we got to go there and talk to these two amazing engineers and we we're talking about the machines we wanted to build and what they told us is that's an amazing idea and what would be really helpful is if you had data on the amount of plastic that you want these machines to be dealing with and the types. So we basically needed data on how much plastic is entering the lake, where is it coming from in the specific location we are working in and that was Usoma Beach. So that was basically the first challenge, you know, coming in, believing that the issue was the lack of effective waste management and then beginning to realize that the issue is much deeper. It's the disconnect and the lack of awareness and then the, the lack of data. So this I'll call a positive challenge because it's what actually got us to start changing our focus slowly to right before we got into the recycling center. We started thinking, why don't we start by creating awareness and then collecting data and then we can go into the recycling center, which is what you see in our model with the objectives that, we, that we've written down. So that was the first positive challenge. The second challenge, this one wasn't positive, but the second challenge was being taken seriously as a young person. <laughs> Basically, what happened is immediately people would hear your age, you know, there'd be a sort of, you know, you're, you're a child, you know, the, the most they want about is like school you know they'd start asking how's school what school are you going where are you from you know so that was an interesting challenge like we we encountered you know people were not used to seeing young people going into government offices hosting cleanups and talking about this issue so it was it was a shock it was shocking to people so how we overcame this challenge was we started using adult allies. So what we would do is we would go into offices with my mom and, you know, my mom is an adult and, you know, people would pay attention to her. So what would happen is she would redirect their attention to us. So we'd go into the office, sit down with this decision maker, and then he'd look at her and she'd say, hi, she'd introduce herself. Then she'd say, and these two people have a really cool project I want to tell you about. So that was really helpful because it always made sure that we got listened to you know so that that sort of redirecting of attention is how we overcame the challenge 
Another challenge was actually juggling school. We started in 2020 during COVID when there was lockdown. So, you know, we had a whole year where we were just we were able, we were very flexible with our time. We were able to do campaign activities. Then in 2021, it got hard because we went back to school. And then that's when we started realizing like, wow, something has to take priority and juggling both is kind of hard. So overcoming this challenge is interesting. I wouldn't say we've overcome it yet. We are still learning this juggling game where you've, you, you're picking out like what's more important in this moment, what is due at this, what is due when. It's basically learning to plan your time, which is what we've, we've had to learn to do. So yeah, those are three major challenges. And then youth washing is the final challenge. We faced a lot of youth washing where you'd have adults inviting you to events and then taking pictures. But in relation to listening to what you're saying or giving you a chance to speak, you know, they weren't as willing to do that. They just, <laughs> it was basically wanting to look like, hey, we have young people. Look, we're engaging young people. But in relation to actually them listening to us and putting into practice what we're telling them we weren't getting a lot of that so those are the challenges we basically faced and i'd say the best way to overcome them is keep an open mind i mean just from the first challenge that's the one thing this project has taught us always keep your mind open always be willing to learn from people but also learn to stand firm in your beliefs if you want to solve a problem you tell yourself like i'm going to solve this problem no matter what anyone tells me but you also have to be open-minded enough so that you can find the true root of the problem. And that's what Jeremy and I were able to do with Friends of Lake Victoria. We started out with waste management and we went in and in until we realized this starts with the lack of awareness, the disconnect. Wow. You know, I, I can't speak for people, but I have a strong feeling that a lot of people could actually relate to a lot of the challenges that you had mentioned. And the advice that you gave, a lot of people will find very, very helpful. So thank you for mentioning that. Interestingly, this July, Friends of Lake Victoria will host the second Nam Lulwe Youth Summit. Why are events like this important for young people, do you think, who perhaps feel like they don't have the resources they need to solve a problem in their community? Okay, so first of all, events like this are important because it's like a head start. It's a way for them to get started, know more about the problem. Because what Ocean Heroes did for us is we basically got trained. They helped us understand the scope of the problem. They helped us understand how we could implement solutions. They also helped us understand that uh, there are some problems we may face out there. So it's basically full-scale trading. So events like this are important because they, they, they help you to start to get, your, to get your feet wet before you jump right into the water. And what we've noticed is that a lot of people want to make change, but they may not know how and they may not know how to use their voices to do it, which is why we've been partnering with Green Speaking to do the Nalis Summits, because this is what Green Speaking focuses on. It focuses, which is also a youth-led organization, it focuses on getting you to know how to use your voice, basically showing you that your voice has power and you can use it to protect the environment. And Nalis uh, is also more local in the sense that we've realized with international summits, the scope can be a little bit wide, so it becomes much harder for you to sort of focus on specific problems in certain areas. So by doing a local summit, we are helping the youth of Kenya and the youth of East Africa with problems that are more catered toward East Africa, which is the same reason we were working on Ziwasafi. There was not really anything out there 
that was catered to our problems and that could really help us get started and so far we have seen the impact because a lot more youth in Kisubu especially have become more sensitized and you're seeing more campaigns popping up to help out and then now you have participants of Tanalis joining environmental movements. Right, so you maybe would say that uh, a summit like Nam Lolwe is really set apart from events held by international organizations in a sense that it's more local focused and it has a local context kind of perspective. Is is that correct? The one major thing we wanted to do with Nalis is when we were, sit- we were sitting down with Diego and Sarah um, from Green Speaking and then it was Jeremy and I. What we first did was we just outlined like what are the problems we're seeing young people in these developing nations facing. So the first thing that I outlined to Diego is I'm seeing my peers looking at me like I'm crazy because whenever they get to stand up, you know, they're scared. It's like they lack confidence in their own voices. So that was the first thing that we outlined. Then the second thing is we said like, it feels like most international summits are more geared towards northern countries. I didn't see myself represented in some of the speakers or in some of the solutions. And even in the challenges they talked about, you know, you could never relate because it felt like we don't see the, we don't have those companies here in like in relation to the solutions. We don't have companies here. We are not able to go vegan in this country. It's not a pollution. It's not a solution, sorry, that you can propose to a lot of people around because not everyone kind of has the ability to decide what they eat because this is a developing nation. Those are the major things that we outlined with the Namlolwe Youth Summit. So that's why we call it actually local because with this summit, we are focusing on Lake Victoria, her ecosystem, her people. So when you come into that room, when you whether you're joining virtually or in person, you're going to see yourself represented in the problems and in the solutions that we are proposing. So this, that's one thing that we decided to do with Nalis so that more people felt less guilty leaving the summit because they felt like they couldn't do anything and more empowered because they felt like I can look around me and I can find the problem and I can come up with my own solution to it. This is amazing. I 100% agree. And that actually is a great way to lead to my next question, which is how can the voices of young people from the global south be better amplified and supported in the climate action conversation? This summit is a great example, but do you have other ways or other examples that this can occur? I would say start by listening. That's the major solution that we found with a lot of uh, international organizations we've worked with. And Ocean Heroes was one great example because I remember after the boot camp when they were talking to us about our action project, the, what they asked us is, what do you see around you? You know, so giving people that power and giving Southern voices that power of being able to say, this is what I'm seeing around me and then sort of guiding us through coming up with our own solutions is really helpful because what we did with Ocean Heroes is the first thing we said is within Kenya, avoiding single use plastic isn't necessarily the easiest option for a lot of people because when you're living hand to mouth, what happens is most of the affordable stuff is in sachets, single use sachets. And that's why Jeremy and I started out pursuing policy and the industries because we realized people don't necessarily have a choice when it comes to our country. They can't just say, hey, I'm going to skip single use plastic. I'm done with it because 
alternatives sometimes tend to be more expensive so that's what needs to be done with global south countries you know you don't have to come in and say i'm going to solve the problem for you no allow us offer the capacity building or allow us to sort of learn about the problems ourselves and then lead us through coming up with solutions that work for us because that's that's the best way i think because most of the time we do feel like when we are represented even in other summits you know you do feel like it's I don't know how to explain it. You don't feel represented in the sense that it's constantly a helplessness narrative. You're making us seem helpless, but we don't want to be helpless. We want to solve the problem. We want you to help. We want to solve the problem. We want to learn how to solve the problem in a way that works for us. And yeah, so that's the first thing I would outline. Just listen and then offer support based on what you hear listen to what we need listen to what we're seeing around us and then that's when you come in and offer capacity building support because we want to be empowered we don't want to constantly have the issues solved for us i am so glad you said that and i hope this episode gets shared a million bazillion times so that more people can hear that and and hopefully carry that forward because that's so important so thank you for mentioning that and it saddens me that we're actually at the end of our podcast episode and i have one last question that both of you could actually answer it's the question of the month basically which we ask in each episode and it's the climate action of the month Jeremy and Michelle, what's one action that each of our listeners could take this month to support climate justice and help in the fight against climate change? You each can propose one climate action of the month, and that way our listeners can walk away with two, which is amazing. <laughs> Jeremy, would you like to start? Okay, yes. One climate action I would propose is first of all to do your best to get involved, even if it's something small. The quote I like going with is, every little thing matters even if it's simply trying to get people to separate their trash and what can be recycled get recycled just try your best to get involved more in the spirit of reconnection which is what um osia pesango really focuses on my climate action of the month would be if you can get outside and um get outside and look around and learn and observe and look at your basically look at your ecosystem and try to understand like how does this ecosystem work what kind of biodiversity does this ecosystem support you know like how does it contribute to my health how does it contribute to the health of my neighbors and you know maybe trying and fi- to figure out like what it needs you know like maybe you should maybe it needs pollinators you know all the pollinators have gone away so the ecosystem is suffering because of that so then you can start thinking hey maybe i should you know plant a few seeds or something or maybe so that's basically what i would suggest because that's how it starts it starts with reconnecting to the needs of your ecosystem again to understanding the land that you're on and i think that's when you can actually start contributing positive actions and it's loads of fun i mean <laughs> we love going out in the afternoon over here and just listening to the breeze of the lake so yeah that's my action for the month Oh, that's amazing. And actually, a follow-up question to that is, how can people support Friends of Lake Victoria if they want to get in contact with you or get connected with you or support you in any way? Are you guys on social media? Is there a website? Anything we can offer to, to have our listeners engage with you? 
We are very active on social media. I'm at Michelle Muchelwa on Instagram. He's at Sakwa Muchelwa on Instagram. And then our campaign Instagram is bring at bring underscore back underscore lake underscore victoria and we also have an email info.osiepesango at gmail.com so you can reach us any of those ways and we also have a youtube if you want to see how nalis went last year and how awesome it was we have all the sessions uploaded on youtube and the page is basically nam lolwe youth summit that's the name of our youtube page Amazing. Because I know for a fact that people are going to walk away from this inspired and wanting to engage with you more. So thank you so much for sharing those resources and that information. I wish you both the best of luck. I, I, I really think you're doing amazing, amazing work. And thank you again so much for coming on this podcast with us and inspiring so many of our listeners. I hope we can reconnect soon and I hope you have an amazing, amazing day. Definitely. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you. We hope that you you've managed to get up. You've managed to get inspired. Oh, we have. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Bye.